Welcome to the What's Next with Gen X podcast. This week I've got part two of my conversation with former NFL wide receiver Dante Stallworth. We pick up right where we left off in part one, and we also talked a lot about the athlete activist. Dante believes through history they have always been vindicated. We get his take on Colin Kaepernick's future in the NFL, and we find out if he would go to the White House after the Super Bowl. Enjoy part two of my conversation with Dante Stallworth. Uh, in, two, in 2014, when I had uh, a year after I had already um, retired, I was doing a, an internship with the Ravens. And let's see, so this was, yeah, 2014. And once I had finished there, or actually while I was still uh, coaching, I know that um, the some of the uh, people there at the Huffington Post had, asked, had reached out and asked if I wanted to start uh, blogging for them mm-hmm. and I told them I, I did I would love to um, and I thought I'd be able to do it during uh, the coaching internship and there's absolutely no time oh, for Between anything other family, than football yeah. there's just no time for anything other than football and well sleep and eating and that's it yeah. and uh, so you know I knew that I wouldn't be able to do it then but but once I finished the internship uh, and that's when um, you know, I, I I told him and I realized, I said, oh, well, you know, I can start now because I just mm-hmm. fin- literally had a uh, few, four or five days earlier, I had just finished my internship there uh, with the Ravens. And so they asked me, um, you know, if I wanted to be a part of the fellowship, which I had no idea what it was, but it sounded cool from what they yeah. were telling me, right? And then they were like, great, well, you know, there's only one problem is that we need you or we would like for you, you know, to be here in the offices in D.C., and I'm like, really? I'm like, oh my god! Like, yes, let's do it. And I was like, I was three weeks away from moving to New York, and mm-hmm. just randomly moving there to to start freelancing and doing some other mm-hmm. things, try to figure figure what my was career this out. Coaching internship you had with the Ravens. Tell me more about that. Yeah, it and was it was the uh, it's the Bill Walsh Minority um, Coaching Fellowship. Okay. Yep. Yep. And so it it's uh, basically a program where. Uh, for instance, um, I was actually uh, uh, Jay Harbaugh, um, okay. John's nephew. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, he was he was there, also working on. And obviously, now he's with his dad in Michigan, yeah. and so you know I became friends with him. So there's there's a number of a lot of younger uh, people who are working in this internship, and you're literally in all the meetings with the coaches mm-hmm. um, when they're making decisions and they're talking about which players are going to be cut and which players. You know, are are on the fence and who we need to perform. You know, who we need to see perform better or who's performing well. It's really interesting to get that side of it. Um, you know, as opposed to as opposed to players. Right. Right. And uh, one of the things you know, it's like coaches or, or players joke about the coaches all the time. Um, you know, we make jokes about the coaches in the locker room all the time, and, play, and sometimes the coaches do the same thing to yeah, players. Yeah. And I and I remember sitting in the meeting one time and thinking, like, I got kind of a, not, it wasn't anything bad, but it's just like joking, like they do, like we do with the coaches. Yeah. And I kind of got offended, and I forgot for a minute that I was a coach and not a player anymore. Right. Right. Um, and but no, it was, I thought it, I thought it was pretty funny, um, just to be able to see that from from their perspective and mm-hmm. have. I always have respect for my coaches, but I remember Harbaugh picked me up one time late leaving um leaving practice and I just remember telling him like man like I you know I I've always had respect for the coaches but just when when you're in it 
then you really understand as a former player, you understand how much those coaches put into mm -hmm. it. I mean, you know it as a player. Right. The hours, yeah, the film prep, it's, everything. It's incredible, but uh, you don't really understand unless you've done it. So I had much more respect for um, coaches after that. It just made me realize, like, you know, some of the days, and I remember, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. Uh, so Steve Smith, when he that was when he first came to Baltimore, uh -huh. and I had known Steve Smith for forever. Um, both from California, both wide receivers. Uh, he was in Carolina, I was in New Orleans. We came out, he came out a year after I did, or a year before I did, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And so we naturally just became, you know, pretty close. And uh, some days you think when the coaches are upset and they're like, you think, what are they bitching for? Like, what, what's wrong with them now? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so then the players will get a little defensive and then you'll have this clash between players and coaches. And it may be very subtle, but it's there, right? Right, yeah. And uh, so then I'm like, as a player, you know, you see that and you're like, oh, man, like the coaches are, you know, what are they uptight about now? And then, mm -hmm. but then as I was a coach and I'd see some things that they'd get upset at, and it's like, and, I, and I'd go down there and tell the guys, and I talked, I remember talking to Steve all the mm -hmm. time. And I would tell Steve, I was like, yeah, they have a right to be upset about this and that. And he took yeah. my, like, he, because he trusted me. Right. And so he'd take my word for mm -hmm. it. And, and, uh, but other, I was also I was also honest with him. Like some things I thought that the coaches, which was which was funny because it was it was much rarer than I and than I would have believed it as a player. Um, like some days he'd come up to me or other players would come up to mm -hmm. me and and say, um, you know, what's wrong with them? Like what's going on? I'd be like, no, like you know, the defense is, you know, doing this and they've, that you know, the coaches have explicitly like put this uh, play in or. Mm -hmm. Or they or they emphasize this point a hundred times and it's and it's not getting through. Mm -hmm. That's frustrating for the coach. So this is why they're upset. You know, you try to give them. I try right. to give them that. So that after, even after going through that experience, mm -hmm. um, and you got a taste of what coaching's like, you still wanted to do this internship with the Huffington mm -hmm. Post. Um, why do you think it, it, this was just something that you still needed to figure out and, and see if it was right for you? You mean the, the coaching or the yeah? So uh, so after. <clears throat> So you finished the coaching internship. Why didn't you decide to continue on with coaching? Oh, yeah. So I, I knew that I, I didn't really want to coach. Um, I think it was, and, and I talked to Harbaugh about this. Harbaugh is like, we're extremely close. And so I told him, I said, I'm not really sure about coaching, but I said, I I said, I don't I don't want to start something and, and not have it completely ruled out. Because yeah. uh, I, knew, I, knew I knew the demands of mm -hmm. just being a player alone uh, was, was pretty demanding, but yeah. especially the coaches are like extremely demanding. So, um, I also knew that I was going to be doing the in-studio analyst for Comcast. So I wanted a way to be able to stay close to the game, and I enjoyed right. actually, literally, like, like genuinely enjoyed coaching. Mm -hmm. um, I, which is I very, think that was great, a great idea too, to be able to break it down. Yeah, yeah, and and also it was it was just interesting another to, thing to learn, just exactly, another thing to add to your skill set. Exactly, be able to see it from mm -hmm. the coach's perspective. And again, I, I always enjoyed coaching the little, co the very little coaching that I did um, in Miami. Even as a player, I would uh, coach the wide receivers and tight ends that that came to the this facility, in, uh, Pete Bomarito's facility in Miami. And uh, I remember I had uh, I had Antonio Brown, I had Gronk, I mm -hmm. had Torrey Smith, I believe, all in the same draft. And so I was like coaching these guys up for the combine and just to see. Um, and, and I'm not obviously I'm not saying like I had anything so I had nothing to do with, with, with how, they, <laughs> yeah. how they've been great in their careers but it was just fun to be able to interact with those guys as and, and, and try to and get them really in, in their inf in the infancy of their greatness right. and to be able to witness it and, and uh, you know it, it was that was really cool for me and I enjoyed 
working with them. Um, they made it easy. Obviously, they enjoyed working, so that mm -hmm. always helps when you when you have uh, guys that are motivated. Mm -hmm. So I figured, you know what? Why not rule it out? Because I enjoyed, even though it was you know a few hours a day mm -hmm. uh, or an hour a day. I you know I, I enjoyed it. So let's at the very least let's rule this out. Plus, I'll be able to um, to to polish up on on my game as far as uh, the new rules they put in yeah. as an analyst. And so that, that helped me. But then um, So this helped Clinton yeah. Post opportunity comes and, up. And this was like, like, you know, this was like three or four days later. And um, I thought that they were going to uh, ask me to do the blogging again, which I was totally fine with doing. And, um, you know, so I went in the back and he asked, he said, hey, do you want to talk about it? You want to go in the back and talk mm -hmm. about it? So the bureau chief, Ryan Grimm, said this to me and I said sure so I thought they were going to bring me back there and kind of go over what we already talked about me blogging in Have April. Have they talked to, to you about sports blogging or um, political they blogging? They said whatever I wanted what, to do because oh, they, okay. they knew that I was You had a lot of different yeah, yeah, interests. Okay. Yeah and so they were going to allow me to write whatever I wanted to write and uh, so I thought that was so yeah. oh my god I thought that was so yeah. cool right and um, and then he you know they ended up uh, offering me the fellowship and again that's when uh, you know, I was probably three weeks away from moving to New York City, uh, just kind of, not, well, I guess kind of on a whim, uh, going out there and just going to figure it out there. But then I had this structure with the Huffington Post, and then uh, they, you know, uh, they knew that I was going to be flying up on the weekends to New England mm -hmm. to cover football, uh, cover the Patriots for Comcast uh, New England. And so just being able to do both of those, uh, you know, during the week I'd, uh, I'd be in D.C. I'd be reporting from the Pentagon or, uh, you know, from the White House or going to the Hill mm -hmm. or even just be in the offices and, you know, writing stories or researching things. And that was, like, amazing to me. And then mm -hmm. on the weekends, I'd fly up to New England and and then I would do uh, uh, the, uh, the the pregame show, the halftime show, and the postgame show um, with Comcast New England. And, I, I mean, that was, like, that was for me. That was like a dream for me, and I, I was so comfortable in, in what I was doing. I, don't, I mean, I don't want to say comfortable, but because uh, I was still learning how to be a journalist, and I was still mm -hmm. learning how to do how to work as an on on uh, in studio analyst and tele mm -hmm. on television. Um, but I enjoyed it all, and it was fun. It was challenging, and um, that's one of the things that I try to get through to players that are um, that that are currently transitioning from football to uh, post-career and I just try to tell them to be you know find something you're passionate about but uh, in football we're used to challenges that's you, mm -hmm. you're gonna have a challenge every week and so find something that challenges you but also obviously that's be something that you're interested in and so for me that was um, journalism I had never had a background in journalism but I I'd always like had written things all the time uh, I'd write little fake plays when I was in elementary school. Mm -hmm. um, I'd always love to write, and so for me to be able to have that opportunity with the Huffington Post and doing all the things that I was doing, meeting all the people that I was meeting and you know, uh, making all the connections and meeting sources and networking with people, uh, just incredible, just mm -hmm. been amazing. W would you say that's the ultimate goal, to be able to cover both sports and politics in some capacity? Yeah, I, I would say, um, yeah, and and I think uh, for me, I, I don't know if I want to cover sports because mm -hmm. um, I love basketball and I and I uh, 
but I'm, but I'm not I'm not an expert in it. I've spent more, well more than 10,000 hours in football, so I would, well, at least not by my Chipping own standards, but by Malcolm Gladwell's yeah, standards, yeah. So I am I an expert that in that field. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's nothing else that I have 10,000 hours of work in. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it's easy. I, and, I, and again, I love it. So I love to be able to analyze uh, football from different aspects, but I, I wouldn't want to do that year-round. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do that year-round because I'm so interested in politics and mm-hmm. national security. So I... What do you think of the whole stick to sports debate? Because you're oh, definitely active yeah. on social media. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's interesting. I, I still, uh, to to this day, I, I I don't truly know why uh, people feel that way. They I don't know. They feel like um, athletes and entertainers are only there to there meaning the existence of their being is there to entertain Mm -hmm. them or to entertain others uh but when it comes to um what people feel as a moral obligation or people feel um something that they feel like they need to speak out on they don't want to hear it and especially if they don't want if they if they Mm -hmm. agree with it of course they want you to say it all day right and they want you to plaster it everywhere (laughs) um but if they don't agree with it it's Mm -hmm. like shut up we don't want to hear you we don't want to hear your crazy talk and that, and that goes for both sides. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I just—it's it, just funny to me how when you uh, when you when you look at you know both sides of whether whether if it's conservatives, liberals, Democrats, Republicans, when you look at both sides, uh, you know people um, chastise the young lady that wore that uh, "Make America Great Again" dress at the award. I don't remember which awards it was. People were upset with that, and you know saying why would she wear that and I'm like you guys are the same people on on the left you guys are the same ones that are saying like lay off a Colin Kaepernick because of what he's doing Mm -hmm. Um, and and both of them are expressing political views and I don't um, I'm not going to say I don't agree with what she did if if that's like I want people to speak I I Mm -hmm. want more people to speak out about Mm -hmm. uh, issues that are important to them and she felt like she wanted to wear that dress in support of, uh, I assume, Donald Trump or his policies or, um, or his, uh, his his administration. Um, you know, from a, from an overall perspective, uh, and I don't agree with a lot of his policies, but I'm glad she did that. And when people were saying that she shouldn't have, I'm like, you can't do that. You can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you claim to be all about free speech, then you need to um, allow the people who. Uh, who you don't agree with to be able to speak um, regardless of, of, of what it is. And so I'm, uh, but again, it, the hypocrisy is, it, mm-hmm. it bounds. It goes both ways on heavily on both sides. So for me, that's like, I, that's the kind of one of the things that bothers me. But um, I always enjoy when people speak out, when players speak out, because uh, it, I, I love to be able to use the, uh, the stories of, of uh, older um, professional athletes and say, well, you know, when uh, Muhammad Ali didn't take that step forward, uh, there were other, you know, senators and members of Congress who pushed forth, you know, millions and millions of dollars for the war in Vietnam, which mm-hmm. anyone, everyone now, now historically uh, has said that the war was, was a horrible war. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, a million or three million Vietnamese uh, were killed, like 60,000 Americans killed, um, and for nothing. And uh, 
you look at back on history and it's like at the time Muhammad Ali was the one who was criticized mm-hmm. for being un-American for not standing up for his country um, and, in, in, and in reality uh, as history shows he turned out to be right because the war in Vietnam uh, was, a, was a horrible war a war that we shouldn't have been in mm-hmm. and everyone he agrees on that he a lot he did, and it, but it's not only him, right? It's uh, it's the people, yeah, it's, exactly. You know, so many. It's uh, you know, it's the people who fought and right, yeah, right, yeah, and and, and again, it's being able to see both sides of the yeah, yeah, and I, and I think uh, I think it's I think it's interesting that um, when you when you're when you're able to to understand that, and you have all these historical precedents, then it's like any time that professional athletes have spoken up or spoken out against. Whatever war it's been, Vietnam War, Muhammad Ali, um, whether it's been uh, civil and social injustice um, by um, Tommy Jones and uh, John Carlos in the '68 Mexico, mm-hmm. Mexico City yep. Olympics, um, you know the I think it was L.A. Times or Time Magazine said that they were doing a Nazi-like salute, and it's like no, there are really some issues that they were concerned about <laughs> in America. So, uh, or even more recently, you look at. Um, uh, uh, Steve Nash talking about the uh, Iraq War, like the day mm-hmm. or a couple of days after um, the war started, he wore a T-shirt that said uh, it, uh, something like uh, "like shoot for shoot for love and not war" or something like that. Um, and it's not doubt. You know, he wore it in the pregame, mm-hmm. and so you know, again, and we all people all pretty much agree that the Iraq War was pretty much the same as the Vietnam War. So. Uh, I like to take fa- I like to take pride in the fact that when athletes are speaking out against the, these wars, they are usually uh, vindicated by history, and so mm-hmm. I, I enjoy to be able to say that, and which I try to find um, more ways for guys to be involved and say, "Hey, listen, like you may be criticized now, but in the end, you know, history will vindicate you." As it's done, some of our uh, we would say, you know, uh, for forefathers of. Uh, political engagement and mm-hmm. sports sports figures, professional right. sports figures that were engaged politically. And uh, and this is our society, the platform right. that athletes have right. to convey this message. Now, you know the inner workings of an NFL organization. Do you, do you see CAP getting signed? Um, so this is one of the big things. And actually, uh, I, I know um, in football... Uh, probably the biggest sin in football is becoming a quote distraction unquote distraction for your team Um, and when that's something that a player never wants to be because you don't want to be the reason for uh, for your team taking its for any time or any efforts or resources or Any any time taken away from preparing to win a game because winning Mm -hmm. in the NFL is hard enough as it is. Mm -hmm. But then when you and it's the only thing, right? Right? Yeah, exactly. Just win, baby, win. Exactly. And when you've got you know your 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 uh, the the local media or the media maybe national media depending on the the uh, the height of the uh, whatever's going on at that time, um, you you don't. You, you'd rather than be talking about football as opposed to other things, mm-hmm. and uh, but even coaches know like coaches don't want to uh, bring a guy in that they have to that they feel that they have to um, 
worry about taking the taking the goal off of winning. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's what happened. That's what's happening with Colin, with Colin. Or I should say, I'm not saying that's what Colin is doing. But maybe that's what some of these general managers are looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he hasn't had any great seasons in the past mm-hmm. couple of years doesn't help. But um, he's much more talented. I would say he's. Um, I, I would say he's more talented than. You know, a couple handfuls of starting quarterbacks, and and, and he he could be a starter on on a team, uh, at the very least a backup. You know, I mm-hmm. think which there's not many more backups that are better than Colin Kaepernick, and especially put in the right situation. But um, I think he's motivated. I think the, about him, the biggest thing is that he's 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 feeling good about himself and what he's doing. He's done a lot. Um, you know, he's donated a million dollars. He said that initially. Mm-hmm. He's 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 uh he's talked a lot and he's backing he's backing right. it up and more with his with his time resources and uh, and money. What um what do you remember the most about playing in the league? What's what are your favorite memories? Um, I would say the the camaraderie between players. Um, mm-hmm. that's whenever you hear a player talking about what do they miss the most, it's always the camaraderie. UBA, you miss playing the game and you miss the competition, but you don't you don't miss training camp. You don't miss you know, waking up the next day after a game, uh, feeling like you just wrestled with twenty bears. You know, you, you you don't you don't you don't miss that, but you do miss um, messing around with guys in the locker room, joking, laughing, having a good time, and hanging out with the guys. Uh, but yeah, that camaraderie is something that you don't that you can't replace. And um, you know, again, I was you know talking to a number of guys who are. Uh, former Navy SEALs or former Special Ops guys uh, or even just in the military or formerly in the military and they, they talk about the same things. Mm-hmm. They they miss the camaraderie, uh, they miss hanging hanging around um, you know, the rest of their servicemen and women and, and you miss, because it's a uh, you know, it's its own little family, right? And, yeah. uh, and, and, and you miss that because it's like you can't, you can't really reproduce that um, that, that certain type of of uh, of of fellowship of mm-hmm. love between people because you know obviously they're literally putting themselves on the line um uh their lives on the line and uh you know are sacrificing their family the families are sacrificing them um allowing them to uh to to leave and and go and, and serve the country and uh you know that that's a that's a that's a small community mm-hmm. of of people in the, and there's uh, it, it's it's kind of similar with football because it's uh, you know I talked about the lair and being yes. the locker room being the yeah. lair. Um, you don't get that many other places, and, and uh, I, I just think that um, formerly uh, you missed the competition, but I think you have to come to a realization at the end of the day that that all that's going to come to an end. So for me personally, you know I just try to find new challenges, uh, but you can't replace that camaraderie, right. but. Uh, but again, there, there's one thing I didn't realize that when I when I started running and became a runner, is that there's there is a thing as a running community. Um, there are people who run all the time, and you get to know them, and you become friends with them, and it's you know it's fun. It's not it's there's nothing like football, and from that regard, a camaraderie regard that I've experienced. But um, you know, it's it's cool to have these other little outlets to be able to uh, kind of relive some of those moments. And again, you'll you'll never have. Uh, the feeling that you have running in between the white lines and being out there with your mm-hmm. brothers, but um, you find other things that are that are that are uh, maybe little pieces of that that can kind of help you in 
uh, kind of help you get mm-hmm. by and, and kind of manage missing those things. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, okay. We, t- you know, you, pl- you played for the Browns, the Redskins, the Patriots. You were oh, drafted I by know the where Saints. This is going. Yeah. <laughs> Who would you say Uh-oh. would, let's go best fan base? Oh, boy. Oh, my God. Ooh. So this is tough because, uh, um, you know, we've, uh, I've, I've played in, for, against every team. I've played in every stadium except in Denver. And uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, every stadium I've been to, all the fans have been great. That that's a little that's a little more difficult because each fan base has their own unique way about themselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, How would you describe the Redskins fans? How would you describe the Patriots fans? I, I think uh, Redskins fans I'll are help you loyal. Out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Redskins fans are very loyal. Um, I remember my first two years, we came, we played here in Washington, back to back years, and and the fans were. You know they they were they were out. You could tell they were passionate about mm-hmm. their team, and and they were um, no matter where the game was going, whether if it was uh, you know leading to a uh, a pretty big win or I should say a big loss for them, um, they were still into the game. Yep. They were still uh, you know they were in it the whole way, and I've always seen them as uh, passionate fans and very loyal fans. Um, I would say that the Patriots fans are. Um, I, I kind of listen to what everyone else says, and it's funny because uh, it's like people were people hate the Patriots, right? Yeah. And so therefore, they hate the Patriots fans, and and it's funny to me because um, I held a watch party here in D.C. Um, for the for the Super Bowl, and I said there were a few hundred people there, and I and I said probably uh, there were maybe. 60 to 70 percent of them were Falcons fans Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say maybe only less than 10 percent were Patriots fans and the rest were Patriot haters so that made them uh, Falcons fans right yeah and so people yeah people people do not like Patriots fans I guess you know people don't like winners right people don't like uh, winners but uh, there's obviously some controversy going on uh, that has gone on with the Patriots over the over the years, but um, I think it, it, it's funny because I remember I heard Teddy Bruschi mention this one time. How uh, I remember when the Patriots uh, after they lost to the Chiefs, and you know they were obviously the fans were very upset, um, and Teddy Bruschi was saying like how the Patriots fans are spoiled, but he didn't mean he didn't say it in like in a derogatory way. He was just saying how they're, they're so used, used to, to winning. yeah they're yeah. used to winning and. You know, it's for the Patriots, every single... What other organization is a Super Bowl or bust for your organization? No other no. organization in the NFL. Yeah. If the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl, it's, it's a bust season for them, or at least that's how their fans take it, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, as a player, you take it that way, too, but sometimes you just gotta... I mean, if you're the Browns and you make it to the playoffs, you're like, hey, we're, 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 we're trying to... You know what I mean? Like, we're trying, <laughs> we're trying to build here. But with the Patriots, it's, uh, it's not that way. And psychologically, I think that's really interesting... Uh, and and, uh, and then so I, you know it's funny because they obviously they ended up winning the Super Bowl that year, but uh, you know not without some nail biters in between. And then obviously the Super Bowl itself mm-hmm. that year against the Seahawks was a nail biter. Um, but no, I you know I I love Pat- I love Patriots fans. They are, I mean they will. T- they, they, it's almost kind of the thing where people like where the memes on yeah. social media go around mm-hmm. about vegans and they say how do you know somebody's a vegan? It's like because they'll freaking tell you they're vegan. Yeah. It's the same thing about a Patriots fan. Like how do you know someone's a Patriots fan? Because they're going to freaking tell you. <laughs> Yesterday I, I saw at least three or four guys 
walking around with uh, Patriots stuff on, and it's it, that's why I love this city because you know you'll see people with Patriots stuff, you'll see people with Eagles stuff, you just, mm-hmm. all melting over. Pot. It's a melting yeah. pot, and I love that. Transplant um, city, right? Exactly, and I love that. So I, I'd walk up to all of them, and I, you know, I'd, I'd always like there was a veteran that was being wheelchaired out of the Lincoln Memorial, and he had on a, um, a Seahawks uh, sweatshirt and a hat. And um, and as he as he was uh, you know being wheeled out, and I said, "Go Hawks!" You know, and he like shook his head, and gave me a, uh-huh. gave me a nod, like, "Yeah, those are my boys." Yeah. You know, this this is cool. I I love to see um, football fans, and uh, there I mean, there, there's again, there's so many here. Obviously, you know, Redskins fans, but also Eagles, Ravens mm-hmm. are all in the area. Um, but it is a melting pot of of people here from you know different different cities, and they love their they love their team. So it's it's always cool to be able to. Kind of go up to them, and I appreciate uh, NFL fans. Are you know they're mm-hmm. obviously uh, I'm biased, obviously, but I, <laughs> I think uh, you know it's I I, I I believe football is the greatest sport, and to be able to interact with, with the fans, I always enjoy to be able to do that. Here's a question for you: If you had still been playing with the Patriots, would you have gone to the White House this year? Really putting you on the spot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with you know what I. I like what Martellus Bennett did, and so I, I had actually done. Uh, I, I was on a number of shows. I was on CNN. Mm-hmm. I was on Fox. I was on MSNBC. Yeah, I saw you about making this. the rounds. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was talking about this, and no one asked me that question actually. Um, and, and it's interesting. It's it's easy for me to say no now that I wouldn't. Um, that I wouldn't have gone. I, I don't. I don't think I would have gone just to have gone. Mm-hmm. Like I would have loved to have uh, come here. And, you know, maybe if I went to the White House, then I would like to go and and, and speak kind of like what, um, what uh, let's see. So Michael Bennett came here, um, not Martellus, but Michael mm-hmm. Bennett, plays for the Seahawks, came here and spoke at Busboys and Poets about, about uh, professional athletes mm-hmm. and being engaged in uh, social activism. Um, so I'd have liked to have been able to make a trip out of it if I would have went to the yeah. White House. I don't know if I would have went... Um, so I felt like I would have wanted to make uh, kind of a, a stronger impact by just not going. Mm-hmm. And everybody's individual choice is their own, right? right. But what what um, what Martellus Bennett did was he and he said this right after the Super Bowl. Um, he said that he wasn't going, and instead he ended up doing a uh, a podcast with <laughs> um, Chelsea Handler. Oh wow! At the same time that they were yeah. at the White House, so that was kind of his way of. Of, um, of 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 being a, a dissident um, against uh, the Trump administration, and mm-hmm. it's like you know, people. I, I tell people all the time. I'm, I'm like, listen, our you guys are upset at these guys, but our our for, our founding fathers would would be proud of them. Like that, they they would be proud of them because they're exercising the right. Yeah, like they they would be they would be proud of them, and so um, you know, it's 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 really interesting. Um, again, we. Uh, totally tear this quote up but uh mark twain says something like um you know being a patriot doesn't doesn't mean that you love your government he said it means you love your country um and your government when it deserves it mm-hmm. and it's like you know you look at what happened with the health care it's like does government deserve some love for what they've done in the health care system uh you know that's there's a lot of people that are losing coverage um and so it doesn't mean that you're not a patriot of your country because you're not, you don't agree with what the president has uh, has done with healthcare it just means that you disagree with that. And again, um, it's so funny to me that people that are all about you know 
free speech and all that, and they're mm-hmm. the main ones that when people they when they when people have views that they, they don't agree with, they are the first ones to try to shoot them down and say, hey, you can't say that, or you know, you should just be happy that you won the Super Bowl and go to the White House. Don't bring up it's a it's a special day. Don't bring up mm-hmm. um, political issues, and it's like, um, it's like, uh, you know. Why should why should they leave their their conscience at the edge of the stadium? Like, let them when when they leave that stadium, they're still a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, allow them to speak out and do what they want to do. Um, you know, as long as it's not hurting anybody, obviously, and it's not. So that's my biggest thing. Is like you you can't have it both ways. Uh, there's a lot of hypocrisy in this city, um, especially in you know in the the divisive political climate that has been. I mean, since the election and, and up to, or the campaign season and then the election and then now, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of hypocrisy on both sides. But I, I try to, uh, it's easy for me because I'm like, I look at it as free speech for everybody. It's people that I don't agree with or people that I do agree with. And from a from a professional athlete's perspective, um, I want all players to, to speak out. And if it's something that you feel more obligation to, like, mm-hmm. yeah, do that. Let it be known. Don't. Don't let anyone stop you from speaking out about something that you uh, feel a moral obligation to speak out on. You don't let anyone do that to you. You know, and I read a profile on you, and you've always been this way. It sounds like when you were in the locker room, you were always telling guys before they made a decision, don't just vote for Obama because he's black. Do your research. Um, What's been the, when was that moment when you realized, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I, I consider myself a social activist? Uh, you know what's funny? I, I I don't I don't know if I do. I just I just run my mouth a lot. <laughs> I'm serious. I just I just run my mouth a lot. Um, I I think um, and, and it's funny. It's funny about that. It's actually an interesting question. Um, so I would I would say that um, if I, I would probably feel more like a social activist if, if there is a strategy behind it. Okay. Um, my my thing is just I'm again. I just I run my mouth a lot. There's views that I have um, that may be unpopular, but it's. It's what I'm. I, I'm able to mm-hmm. exercise my free right, my right to free speech, um, and I would also like more, uh, other players to do it. But yeah, I just kind of feel like I'm just running my mouth. And but but I think eventually, you know, there, there's going to come a point. But you where, are writing stories and you are covering. Right, right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah that, that's yeah, what. Yeah. yeah that yeah, that yeah. kind of changed the perspective of it. So <laughs> that's and that's that's where the strategy comes in. So um, me being able to to write more um, would kind of be placed in that in that strategic area. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, uh, I, so I, I guess um, to answer your question, uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I just I've, I've always been uh, um, like a like an inquisitive person, especially as a kid. Um, you know, I was I had asked my mom. My mom was like, uh, you know, I, I call her a super Christian. She is. You know, my mom doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't curse. Um, she's in church every Sunday. She's in Bible study every week, in choir rehearsal every week. Sings in the choir, leads songs every now and then. And um, you know, as a child, I'd ask my mom, like, "Hmm, so if if God made the earth, then who made God? You know what I mean? Like, I, I would ask her, like, but as a child, though. And, and how I've did always, she respond? You know what? She, I, how did she respond to that? I, I don't think it was. I don't think her answer was satisfying to me. Um, and but it. So but, you've always had this quest for knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I've always had this. I've always had this quest for knowledge. And you were also a psychology major at Tennessee, and that's got, got to have shaped the yeah. way you're kind of thinking things and thinking about why things people are doing the things that they're doing. Right. Yeah. For sure. Um, 
it, it was uh, thank God for psychology because you know I was struggling trying to find uh, something that I wanted to study in school and uh, naturally me wanting to be an astronomer the first or an astronaut the first thing I picked in school as a freshman was astronomy mm -hmm. um, but then I realized that how fun those science classes are yeah yeah <laughs> well actually no I, I loved I actually loved all that stuff as a kid yeah, yeah. even like high oh, school I, I did too yeah the, but those classes tough, chemistry right? once you get to the high school is no right. joke and exactly and and I realized that you know taking Physics. the astronomy class that you had to be somewhat uh, knowledgeable of um, math and that was like my worst subject mm -hmm. and so I just I, I knew that I couldn't do it and I and unfortunately I had to uh, switch and I switched to sociology and I wasn't into that so then I was having trouble for the next two years and I stumbled upon psychology I had to I was taking one of my last uh, prereq classes and uh, it was the intro to psych and I took it during the summer and I loved it I fell in love with it and um, and it made me more it, it, it got me more interested in in, in like school mm -hmm. um, so I, it's, it's interesting because I've like learned so many lessons and it's like and I, I feel like I was a pretty pretty good uh, student uh, pretty bright student um, but I but nothing interests me so you know I my, my grades weren't really that well but then when I got into something I was interested in then my grades like jumped yeah. uh, pretty high so um, you know, and, you, and it's, I, it's, it's giving me, again, here's the psychology thing. It's giving me so many different perspectives, right? So it's like you look at a kid and uh, you see, you know, he maybe has bad grades. You think, you know, he's a bad student and he's not smart mm -hmm. and all this. But there's other factors that, you know, everything's not so black and white. And, right. And so when, you, when you're able to dig into that gray area, that, that helps you be able to solve problems a lot mm -hmm. more. As opposed to looking at something as, right. as black and that's and white. journalism too, exposing right. both sides, exposing right. the truth. Exactly. What would you say has been the most rewarding thing so far in your post career? Great question. Um, honestly, I I feel like I'm still getting started. So mm -hmm. um, I would say just the opportunities that I've been blessed with, um, the people that I've been able to meet, um, and here in the city and just in general. Um, just the opportunity to, to be able to use my platform uh, pretty much in, in any way that, that I want, whether if it's uh, continuing um, fully as a journalist or, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, going back to school and trying to, uh, you know, uh, get, a, get a degree, a master's degree in international relations to try mm -hmm. to bump up some of my street cred, street cred yeah, and yeah, national security field. Yeah, about the street cred. We were yeah, talking about that right, earlier. <laughs> right. um, so there's a lot that's on my plate, and um, I'm, I'm just blessed and excited to be able to have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I talked about it before, how um, when I first met uh, Jeremy Scahill you know, about four years ago, and, uh, you know, I was just so excited to meet him and, Everything that he was doing, you know, he reported like from that war was a zones. For yeah, you. it was, it was, and it was interesting because um, it, it's funny because right um, at the time uh, when I was thinking about retiring, I hadn't told anyone this. I hadn't told not a soul. I usually uh, I have a couple friends and my, my brothers. I usually tell everything, but I didn't say anything to anyone because I wasn't sure if I wanted to retire. Mm -hmm. And it was during the season, so I didn't, you know, I didn't want to say anything. And then, you know, word gets out, and then teams are like, "Oh well, we're not gonna, right? We're not gonna, you know." sign him or because he's yep. not thinking about football so totally understandable so then as I, as I was you know personally thinking about retiring um, you know then I get a call from uh, Jeremy Scahill and Glenn Greenwald separately 
and they're talking about me or they're asking me if uh, I'd be interested in uh, working on a project with them and this was well before they had um, came up with The Intercept which is their their own media um, mm -hmm. organization their own media outlet and uh, and it was, for me it was just like wow like uh, like this is God's way of of uh, kind of saying you know it's time to hang up the cleats uh, mm -hmm. you're not you're not as interested in football as you used to be you're more interested in politics and national security than you are football so uh, it's a good time to transition um, and that's that's what I ended up uh, doing and you know those guys they they helped me out so much uh, so many different ways and you know I owe them a lot and um, the fact that I was able to to uh, kind of reach them through social media you know back in 2012 2013 um, 2012 and, uh, and 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 build those relationships has, has been something that has been really helpful for me and so again I I think uh, there's a, there's so much that I want to do post career, so I would say that I'm just getting started. But mm -hmm. just the opportunities, I would say, is probably the thing that I'm, I guess, most proud of. Just the opportunities that I have to, to, pretty much be able to do what I want to do. And um, one more thing that I will say though is that, uh, so my unique perspective coming from an NFL player, and it's like, um, you know, not to. I'm trying not to be partisan here, but uh, if you look at what happened with um, with uh, President Trump's uh, security, national security advisor, mm -hmm. Michael Flynn, um, and how he was working with um, you know other countries, and and, and this, but that, this is a normal thing, right? Yeah. Where 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 you'll have former um, for uh, former people that were in government or in military that that do uh, that have contracts with with foreign governments and they're usually they're typically they're our, our allies um, but it's not a contract with with our government it's them as an individual who was a former representative of military or whatever they whatever they were doing and they work with this government um, and, they, and they usually get paid a lot of money because they, they're well respected in what they do and mm -hmm. being a United States uh, military personnel you kind of you have a broad perspective of, of the world, or at least uh, um, uh, connections and networks mm -hmm. to be able to reach people and all this, and so that's normal, right? It's normal, and you and you and you get paid a lot of money, um, so it's normal for that to happen. But then now you see what happens now with, um, you know, he was basically he was essentially fired because of that because he didn't disclose those things to the vice president. Mm -hmm. um, so and I look at it, it's like, well, I'm not I'm not working for money. I've I've been blessed to make millions of dollars. Um, I wasn't always as smart or smart with my money as I wish I would have been, but mm -hmm. the the money for me is not a draw what I, in what I'm doing. Um, so I, I'm not looking for anything to make money. I'm looking to be happy. I want to do something that that I can help change, maybe not necessarily change the world, but change maybe my little piece of the world, whatever that may be, for the better. And money is not a motivation at all because I've been there and done that. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I don't like to, I don't I don't care about the money. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Right. And so when you have other people who are and you know I don't some some cases you don't you know again I try not to see everything black and white but uh, you know they look like they got to feed their families they want to save money to have for their kids when their kids are going to school and all this stuff um, you know and it's always not nefarious as it may seem on on the outside but um, but when but when money is a factor or somewhat of a motivator then. You may do things that will turn that will come around back to you and look bad on another end, and so it's like 
I personally, like whatever I do, it, it won't be motivated through money. It'll be motivated through something that I'm passionate about, something that I think that can help, uh, you know, be a be a, uh, a good catalyst for change in, in, in our society. Earlier you said you're just getting started, but so what's next? I know I want to start writing more, mm-hmm. um, writing much more than I've been. Um, and it, and then you know it, the the writing that I would do would be uh, kind of unique from my perspective. So, um, for instance, uh, you know, like I, I have um, I, I've, I've been paying a lot of attention over the past few years about nuclear weapons, and um, again, you look at the from a psychological standpoint, it's. It's not in the forefront. I guess a little bit now that we've had these issues with North Korea, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it should be one of the more pressing issues in our society, and it's not. Um, even before the, even before this kind of these issues with North Korea, um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, the the nuclear weapons uh, thing scared the hell out of me when I first started learning about them in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, we all know, we all know they're dangerous, right? Everyone right. knows that nuclear weapons are a bad thing and it's horrible but the things that we don't know like or that that aren't that aren't in the the everyday conscience of uh of people around the world or at least i should say at least in in america um are like how uh how these systems can malfunction or how Mm -hmm. there can be a glitch and you know well that set one off one day and and it's happened things like that have happened before where you know, where maybe by the grace of God, that uh, you know, we, you, there was a uh, a plane flying over North Carolina, and I believe uh, maybe like three or four atomic bombs had fallen out of, out of these out of this plane, and uh, parachutes because uh, when they when they when they like fall out, there's parachutes and there's these all these fail safes that um that have to click to make it to make sure that doesn't detonate when they do hit the ground and uh there was one that essentially all four fail safes had 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 was had failed except for the very last one so it's like we were i don't know what inches away or Mm -hmm. however you want to measure that away from uh from a catastrophic disaster from our own doing um so there's different ways that you can look at that and so uh, you know, I. That's something that I I want. I'm looking at, and I want to uh, help bring more awareness to that. Because mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of people that I've met here, experts who are like amazing. I spent so much time with them, and just listening to, uh, like like the like the granular details of why uh, we need to get rid of nuclear weapons. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting to me. So that's something like. I, I'm not an expert in that, but I've been following it for a while, so I can give my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as what made me so interested in, in nuclear weapons, um, and why do I think people need to be more concerned about that? Coming from not an expert or not an academic, uh, which some people may tend to right. write off because they, they you know they don't want to. It's it's too granular for them. Mm-hmm. But if but you it's get an average, term. right, 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 exactly. But Why the average like me, citizen should right, be concerned? Right, and and so that you know, so I like mm-hmm. to look at things in that from that manner, and that's what I mean by like trying to be a catalyst for a positive change is uh, you know bring a, bring awareness to it. But from from my point of view, as I'm not an expert, 
but I can bring a point of view to it. And, and also, I do know experts that can maybe, you know, quote the story mm-hmm. or something like that. And it's, you know, I, again, I, I don't mind writing on football or sports, but it, for me, it, it's there has to be some type of intersection with, uh, mm-hmm. with, with politics or with, like, uh, social activism or something of that nature. Because I've, you know, I've been in football or sports my whole life. And so um, I feel like there's much more to me than just football or just sports. So... I want to be able to expand and reach my potential. Um, so just that was one example, mm-hmm. being able to take the North Korea. Changing the world said, through yes, awareness. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, again, there's a lot that I want to do, and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm just getting started. <laughs> well, Dante, thank you so much for your time. As you heard, Dante wants to change the world through <laughs> awareness and he's just getting started um you know if you're not following him on social media i strongly encourage you to um you'll learn a lot from this really smart guy like i knew you were smart but (laughs) this whole time because i've wanted you to kind of i haven't wanted to really interrupt i wanted you to kind of just say your piece and i've just been blown away so thank you so much for your time and on top of it you are battling a cold and i think we've been talking for a good (laughs) two hours so i just really appreciate your time i apologize my voice sounds like uh the like uh the garbage uh monster on uh (laughs) oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. grimace no um not not the grouch um who is it that (laughs) we might have to look that up too but yeah no thank you so much no problem Thank you so much for listening, and please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And of course, follow The Spun on Facebook and Twitter for what's trending in the sports world today.